0: With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: This episode of Bushwich Breakaway is brought to you by, wait for it, wait for it, <laughs> TheAthletic.com! <laughs> I know you're thinking, Ryan, is that a joke? It's not. If you're interested in TheAthletic.com, which, by the way, we've had, what, Six, seven, nine, twelve, fourteen athletic writers on over the past six months. You can go to right now, theathletic.com/blueshirts, to sign up for the low, 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 low price of $2.99 a month. And if you sign up and you're one of the first five people to sign up, we will send you a blue shirts breakaway embrace the tank t-shirt. Let us know on Twitter for proof of purchase. All right. Uh, also, sponsored by our Patreon subscribers, who we could not do without you. And we do end up doing some plugs today in the show. I mean, we are sponsored now, so we do uh, that. We plug Hockey Miner on Twitter, as we always do. Nick from Empirical Designs, getting his shout-out for him. He's designing right now our holiday sweaters for our Patreon subscribers. And also, a really hockey-filled and Ranger-filled episode. Not a lot of nonsense for me and Greg. Go out and vote today if you're in America. Let's get to the show. fans, welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I am here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, wild time in the Rangers town. And guess what? Our good friend, Leas Anderson, will be joining us soon. Soon? He's joined us, technically. Technically, as the as the, we are recording this podcast right now, he has been called up to the New York Rangers. Brett Howden got injured in a game versus the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, he is day-to-day currently... But he said he feels good, but we're going to see how long that takes him out of the lineup. He is got an upper body injury, which mean could, could mean, what, a plethora of things at this point.
2: Yeah, general consensus seems to think uh, it, it just read like a concussion. Um, the way he hit the boards, it's not to say that anything looked like a concussion, but if it wasn't a leg injury, which they're obviously not calling it a lower body injury. Upper, yep. Yeah, it it, it seemed like a concussion, and... Hockey players could have their legs amputated and the next day say they feel good. So you'll just have to forgive me if I don't think Brett Howden necessarily is going to go right back into the lineup after one game off. I'm
1: going to sidetrack us immediately because I'm really good at that. Okay. What was the ranger injury over the past couple of years that surprised you the most the person played the next game? I think for me, it was Derek Stepan when he broke his jaw in the playoff game and he played the next game. They just wired it shut, I believe. Uh,
2: nothing surprises me in the NHL playoffs. I'm going to go with the exact opposite end of the spectrum mm-hmm. and go with the injury that surprised me—that it took someone out, and it was easily Mats Zucrell taking a puck to the face.
1: Yeah, that was really sad. Right. I didn't.
2: It, it's not to say I didn't think the injury was serious. I just didn't realize how serious it was when it happened. Well, he
1: lost the ability to speak, which is right. insane. That is that
2: is tough. Um, uh,
1: oh, and now I'm thinking about it. it. Might have been Dan Girardi that broke his jaw. I can't remember.
2: Dan Girardi broke everything. Like, Dan is broken, I think, full stop. Someone's right yelling
1: at their, their car radio right now. Ryan, you're so wrong. You're, be prepared to say that so many more times.
2: Yeah. I Honestly, I can't think of an injury that I'm like, shit, it only took that long for them to come back. Just because, I mean, we also find out the fact that guys like Ryan McDonough play on broken feet. Yeah, after
1: the season, like people playing with broken ribs the whole time. Yeah, and NHL,
2: it, I'm honestly more surprised when an NHL player actually misses a large period of time versus a crazy NHL player doesn't have femur anymore and plays
1: the next night. With you. Let's talk about our good friend, Heedle. Now, Mr. Philip Heedle has had an interesting few games since we last spoke. He has played... No more than 10 minutes and five seconds in every game. And including the Buffalo game, he play, didn't play the last 11 minutes. Is that correct, Greg?
2: Just about, yeah. That, according to our friend Rick Carpanello, who had it in his game recap on the athletic Ryan.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we'll get to that in a little bit, a little early. Oh, I thought you were ready. I'm ready now, but I mean, uh, three minutes into a podcast, that's, that's bad juju. We got seven more minutes. <laughs> All
2: right, fine, 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 fine. fine. I'll, I'll wait. Um, in case
1: it yeah, the here's, here's
2: the thing that here's here's the thing that's the, when the Pavel Bouchnavech stuff happened last week. Everybody was up in arms for various reasons. In fact, you'll hear us be up in arms later in this podcast with our friend who's making his return to this podcast, Sean Tierney of Charting's Hockey. We re- recorded the interview with him uh, days early, right as the Bouchnavech stuff was happening, so we had a, a focus on that in that interview. Um, but even when the Bucinavich stuff was happening, and I wrote about this on our site, there's a little plug for ourselves. Hey. The, the Bucinavich stuff is, that's David Quinn legitimately trying to develop Pavel the way he feels is best. And we've talked about this multiple times. There is no straight line, here's how you develop young players. This is tried and true. This way is the way that definitely works. De- developmental is great. It's one large gray area, and everyone has their own idea for how best to do it. And Pavel Buchnevich has been on the record saying last year with Elaine Vino, he hated getting scratched or demoted because he felt like it was unjustified. Uh, As long as David Quinn is telling Pavel exactly why it's happening, I can't say that I'm overly upset about it. Is it what I would do? No. I've been on the record saying you should just put Buchnevich in your top six, let him run. You get the bad, you get the good,
1: and you try and figure it out at the end. Well, I do. The one thing I liked about Quinn this week, because there's some things I'm I'm not turning on Quinn yet, but man, whew, it's gonna be. Uh, we'll see how that that boat sails, and if it does, it continues well, not to sail. Yeah, stay. and
2: that 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 brings us back full circle because we mentioned Philip Heedle. Well, well one second, part- I,
1: I want to go to the Butch the the quote he had where he said, "I hope he's pissed off," and I I did like that. Where right, where, I, I do like that. I'm a big Uh fan of him coming out saying, hey, Booch, I hope you're pissed because I sat you for a reason and I want you to perform. And he did get the results he wanted in the Sabres game. Booch, he said he liked the way his game was playing. He liked his pace. He liked his ferocity. That's not a quote, but I made that up. Um, So I I just, he did get the results, so I can't argue with him. He's kind of gotten the results out of every benching he's had so far. But there are some other decisions I have not been happy with Quinn for. We'll get to those later.
2: Yeah, but and that that that's great. I, that that quote is exactly what you want to see David Quinn say, and it's the exact mentality you want Pavel Buchnevich to have when he comes back in the lineup. But if we're talking about David Quinn quotes after the Edmonton Oilers game on October 13th, it was David Quinn who said, "I need to do a better job of getting Filipedel more ice time," and he hasn't. Straight up, I, I I don't know I don't know why he hasn't. Everyone likes to point to the fact that Filipedel only has three assists on the season, but. I will say it until I'm blue in the face. Point production doesn't necessarily indicate how a player is playing.
1: With Queen in the headlights due to a new movie. That's not a plug. And that's not our sponsor. Uh, Philip Heedle really wants to break free. And he just can't. It seems like he just can't put a puck. He can't stick a puck in the net, Greg. He just can't. He can't get it in the back. And I don't, I, I don't know if it's just he's snake-bitten or if it's something, a mental block, but he's been a good skater otherwise, and I'm not sure as to why Quinn is punishing him, because that's exactly what I, Quinn's doing. Well, no, that's the thing. I don't think David Quinn
2: is punishing him, and th- I, if I if David Quinn was punishing him, I don't know if that would be more concerning or less concerning, but it would at least be an answer. Um, Filipino has straight up been one of the Rangers' six or seven best forwards this season. That is not something we could have said about Pavel Buchnevich, before his scratching uh, last week for two games. Heedle, mm-hmm. while the points aren't there, and in fairness, the points haven't exactly been there for a lot of Rangers so far this season. Only recently have they started scoring again. I
1: mean, really, just Savinajad, right? He's been the only person that's really been super consistent. You
2: know I mean, VC's he's doing okay. I guess we've got to say v- Jimmy VC's doing fine.
1: Kind of got to crow uh, on that one, I think.
2: Well, I don't think we got to eat crow. I'm going to come back to Jimmy VC in a second because right. I would, i just want to. We're focus all over on the court.
1: place today, so in case you're yeah. wondering,
2: I just—I just want to focus on Hidal. It,
1: okay, it, it's just
2: even with even if you just go off the eye test with Philip Filipeito, I don't think you can say he's been playing poorly. I think part of the problem is you know he's tied on the fourth line to Cody McLeod. So if you're expecting Philip Filipeito to pull a fucking rabbit out of his hat playing with literally a dead assistant, I don't know what you're expecting. You're putting him. In a position to fail, but even considering that Heedle has dragged around McLeod's lifeless body so far this season, so it, it was. Greg, all,
1: Halloween's me. over. McQuay is still a zombie. I don't understand. Another <laughs> uh, uh, McQuay. Sorry,
2: it was, it was frustrating against the Sharks because it was less than nine minutes. It was more frustrating against um, the Ducks because it still was a very limited amount of ice time. And then last night, it was almost unforgivable because Howden goes out with the injury. The Rangers are down a center that was getting more ice time than Philip Hedl. And instead of Hedl getting a bigger taste with different players, they straight up just didn't play him much in the third. And I, I believe Rick in his piece said that Hedl took six shifts after Howden went down, two of which included shifts with Kreider and Buchnevich um, at the end of the second period, And then in the third period, Howden was out, McLeod didn't play, and neither did Hedl. And to me, that's unforgivable if you're David Quinn. Yes, I get that David Quinn wants to win hockey games. That's totally fine, dude. Do whatever you got to do. At the same time, Filippito is here, and your main priority this year has to be to make sure that Filippito is getting as much run as possible. And if he's not doing anything wrong – like Pavel Buchnevich did, if he's playing every night with the amount of hustle that you like, if you're on record saying I have to do a better job of getting Filipino ice time, it does fall on David Quinn. The fact that Filipino isn't getting ice time. Then that doesn't sound like it's anyone's fault, but Quinn's. And that's not, I don't want anyone to take this as me saying David Quinn's a failure. I'm not saying the Rangers should fire David Quinn. I think David Quinn has done a lot of things, right. But No coach is perfect.
1: Do you think it's because Philip Hedl got hit and he was curious? I mean, he went through concussion protocol, so maybe that was a big part of it, where he got hit. No, because if
2: I I I think if that happens, then Hedl sits again. Right, but he's not going to. He's not going to. Uh, We're seeing it with Howden. Howden can say he's fine all he wants. Not only did Howden sit in the third period, he's sitting another game. Uh, I don't think the Rangers would fuck around. With a head injury, with a nineteen-year-old franchise center, uh, I, I think if they if there was a whiff of an injury, the Rangers would be like, "You're going to sit for a couple days, and then you're going to sit a couple more days just to be safe." Um, I, I like and I like the approach they're taking with Howden. There's no reason to rush Howden back into the lineup. I don't care how well Howden's playing. If if Howden's got a head injury, take a seat, bro. If if, if the Rangers think Howden's injury, will keep him out a week. Keep him out for two weeks. Just be. Be extra cautious because there's just no reason to rush him back. Um, and if the argument, the other argument with Heedle is 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 the the usual, right? It's well, what center is he playing better than? He's he's not playing better than Sabanajet, he's not playing better than Hayes. Regardless of point production, you can make a case that Heedle has looked better than Brett Howden at times this year. At the same time, Brett Howden's looked fantastic. So the argument is well, if Filipino's your fourth-best center, then he's going to play fourth-line minutes. We've already seen him on the wing once this year. I don't understand why... I don't, I, don't, I personally, Ryan, don't think 10 minutes at center is more valuable than 15 minutes at wing. Because that's what the argument comes down to, right?
1: It really does at this point. I, I just... I want Hito... I, I'm starting to think maybe they got cautious and just didn't play him because of the hit. And they were trying to baby him a little bit. But part of me feels like you're right. But you can... I think this is now a good time, Greg. You ready for the first time ever? It. Did you know Rick Carpinello r- writes about the Rangers every week? Do you know where?
2: Oh, I think I do. But I'm going to let you remind me anyway.
1: It's at TheAthletic.com. And do you know who our first sponsor ever is?
2: Uh, this feels like a pop quiz. You didn't tell me to study. So you're just going to have to keep hitting it me with
1: questions. It is TheAthletic.com. They are a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans you guys know this we've had rick on we've had shane on the model is simple no ads no pop-ups no autoplay videos instead readers subscribe for authentic in-depth coverage written by journalists who know the teams inside and out greg how many beat writers did rick carpinello say on this podcast cover the rangers <sighs> i know uh
2: you. it's him and Shane.
1: i mean I, I mean for the athletic i mean in total it's like two it's like Larry Brooks and Rick, guys. And you know where you can read Rick? On theathletic.com. You can go to theathletic.com slash blue shirts right now. And you can subscribe for two ninety-nine a month. A great, amazing deal. Less than buying me and Greg half a coffee each from Starbucks. And
2: I, I, Ryan, I believe that uh, that blue shirts code even that comes out to 40% off.
1: It does come out to 40% off. That's fantastic math, and you know we're a math podcast. You can we go, are
2: not a math podcast. We are not.
1: You can go to TheAthletic.com slash shirts today to subscribe to The Athletic. Get over 700 news stories published every week across all sports. An amazing deal. And because you didn't press skip through this ad, and you're a loyal listener to the Blue Shirts Breakaway, and you finally are so happy for us that we have an official advertiser and one we actually like and have provided with you with writers and journalists how long? Over the last six months, eight months, we've been having guests from the Athletic?
2: <laughs> we have Sean Tierney on today and he writes for the Athletic. Yeah,
1: yeah, we just are giant shills. You can, if you subscribe, uh, if you go to theathletic.com slash blue shirts and you purchase the $2.99 a month feature for the yearly of, of the Athletic, we will send you an Embrace the Big Tank t shirt for the first five people. Send us proof of purchase to our Twitter at Blue Shirts Break and we will send you a t shirt. Uh, Thank you for signing up and enjoying our first advertiser who we've been advertising with secretly without them knowing for over six months. Okay, back to the Rangers.
2: Well, actually, one more thing. If you don't want to read a Ranger content story on The Athletic, Ken Rosenthal did a nice uh, GM meetings primer on the MLB side of the site today. That is... Fantastic and worth the read.
1: Everyone who's worth a damn, except us, works for the Athletic. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> we're
2: just here to give you. We're just here to save you guys money. And speaking of saving you money, uh, this is a terrible transition because it doesn't matter at all. Actually, it kind of does. Um, Leas Anderson is now a New York Ranger again.
1: Again, uh, the thing about Lea's coming up is I'm not sure I agree with it just yet. And part of me, um, part of me is because I'm kind of on the hockey stat. Right? I feel like, by the way, speaking of advertising, how often do we we plug hockey stat miner in this podcast? Oh, like, uh,
2: Mika gets a shitload of plugs I, from us. I don't
1: us. understand why. Do you, how do we fall for this every week? Free advertising. We're um,
2: gonna. He's gonna have to start paying us a little. Bit I understand.
1: Too. I I fall into his thought process of let the contract slide.
2: Of, I. I am right there with you. Whoa!
1: However, however, I didn't I, see that coming.
2: I have, I, Well, I have two caveats that you need to hear me out on. Okay. okay, I'm here for you. For, and this kind of ties back to Hedl because the fact that Hedl isn't getting minutes, his slide is over. His year is counting no matter what. So there, there really isn't a purpose to send him down to Hartford anymore. He just needs to get more ice time in New York. Like, it's that simple. If you're burning the year, I don't want him running on a line with – uh, Cole Schneider and Peter Holland at the same time I would love one of those guys to be running on a line with him instead of fucking Cody McLeod anyway um, my line of thinking I'm sure you're a great
1: guy I'm sure you're yeah. a great guy,
2: Cody I, I have no idea my line of thinking with uh Sanderson Anderson is two things one say Howden is out for two weeks a very specific amount of time
1: I don't even think it's gonna be that long by the way so but but hear me out say I, it is I'm here to hear
2: Leas can play nine games this year. So wherever you want him to get nine games before that slide comes in, go for it. And if you want those nine games to be right now, when he's averaging a point a game in Hartford and coming off a three point night last week, fine. That's cool. Um, There are more professional hockey players on the Rangers today than there will be in April after the Rangers go through another trade process. So if you want to get your nine games in now, go for it. Howden's not in the lineup. You have an opening at center. That's fine. We'll, we'll get back to, we're going to have to talk time on ice with him no matter what. Uh, my second thought, Ryan, and this is one you'll probably like. I don't think the Rangers would bring up Lee's just to send him back down immediately.
1: I kind of agree with you.
2: Which means they have to be close on a trade.
1: The trade is coming, right? It, you, it, saw, you saw it, the Boston rumors today, right? The, the, they're looking for a well, second line winger.
2: Elliot Friedman on Thirty One Thoughts last week says that if the Rangers wanted to trade Kevin Hayes today, they could. Uh, it's just a matter of the Rangers finding a package they like. It it sounds like it. I I'm getting to a point where I'd be a little surprised if Kevin Hayes is a New York Ranger on Thanksgiving. It just it, it feels like the buzz is leading towards that. So if you're moving Hayes, even when Howden gets healthy, you have a clear hole in your top six at center. So now you actually have a means to get Heedle and Anderson the top ice, six minutes. The
1: ice time you wanted for them to start.
2: Right. If you're not trading Hayes and Howden's going to be healthy, I don't think it benefits the Rangers to move Heedle off center to get him his 15 minutes and then just to get Lea's 10 minutes a night. Like... Leas and Heedle need to be playing, if they're in New York, they both need to be playing north of 12 and a half minutes a night. And if Hayes is still on the roster, I don't see a mechanism in which both are doing that while Howden is healthy. So in my mind, uh, I tend to think Leas' presence in New York means Kevin Hayes is on his way out.
1: I'm with you. This has been a lot of agreeing. I like when we don't agree. Uh, but it tends we do that a lot. I don't understand. Well, yeah, it's kind of like a no brainer, right? Like uh, the it's written in the sand for us to see that Hayes is just on his way out very soon. It's kind of been that way since the beginning of the season, and if uh, what I just don't understand is we have a lot of time left before the trade deadline, and you really you can't. I'm trying not to curse. You can't fudge this up, Rangers. You can't, right?
2: And the Rangers are in a unique position where they can set the market, too. I, I do think we undervalue sometimes um, how important it is for a team to set the market. And the Rangers know what they are. Jeff Gorton's very comfortable knowing what the Rangers are. Uh, I, I, as much as I like Kevin Hayes and as much as I truly believe that he could be a piece of the next winning Rangers team, uh, if Gorton doesn't see it, I think it's pretty clear he doesn't see it. So trade him before something happens to him. Um, and it makes, it makes more sense to trade Hayes now than it does Zuccarello now because Zuccarello serves more of a locker room leadership role than Kevin Hayes. So you can make the case that, say, an injury happens to Zuc, there was still more value of having him on the roster for longer than Kevin Hayes. If Kevin Hayes goes down with an injury tomorrow – it's just bad news for the Rangers. There's no other way to go about it. If Zuccarello goes down tomorrow, I, 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 I'm I, not sure the Rangers are necessarily happy about it, but they're less concerned is, I guess, the terminology I would go with.
1: Less concerned is probably appropriate.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, at the end of the day, we are literally six weeks removed, nor not even, from the Rangers demoting Leas Anderson to Hartford for the specific reason of uh, David Quinn saying, That guy needs minutes. He won't get minutes in New York to start the season. And if Brett Howden is healthy, those minutes still don't exist unless there's a trade. So I don't think if the Rangers wanted to make a call up for one game or two games or four games, I don't think Anderson would have been the guy. I think the Rangers would have been more. You don't don't take a guy out of his rhythm in Hartford unless he's going to stay in New York. And Anderson's here. I would be stunned if Anderson is going back down um, between now and the next time we talk on the podcast. I would be less stunned if Kevin Hayes wasn't a New York Ranger before our next podcast.
1: You think it's that soon? It could be. Um, I just don't – i I'm, I'm pulling at you with that noise. I don't know how that just happened. Uh, I'm really picking it up from you.
2: You're, you're just, welcome. I, you talk to me too much. I,
1: we really talk way too much. I hate it. That being said, that's a Ryanism. With, I just don't see Hayes going anywhere this week. I just, it's too early. But if Hayes does get hurt, you're, that that plays to your point. If Hayes is hurt, that totally kills the asset potential. So why not sell now While, when he's healthy and still valuable? And it seemingly teams have offers on the table that we don't know about yet.
2: Yeah, and I think it's it's not as early as you believe it is. Uh, shout out to our friend, uh, so Fitzy. Many,
1: so many plugs.
2: Fitz, Fitz. Pointed out that today is the one-year anniversary of the Matthew Shane to the Senators trade. Um, So we have seen blockbuster trades this early in the season. It is not uncommon.
1: Maybe you get more value because teams are looking at it as we have this guy for longer and he can help us get to the playoffs.
2: You're getting Kevin Hayes for north of 60 games. I think that's more valuable than getting Kevin Hayes for north of 20.
1: That's just math. We're a math podcast.
2: Math podcast, baby. Uh, Yeah, I, 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 I would be surprised if it happens in the next week. All I'm saying is if Brett Howden isn't going to miss a significant portion of time, it feels weird bringing up Leas Anderson now without there being a spot in the lineup for him moving forward. And honestly, if Hayes isn't on the team anymore, there's a lot more clarity with who's getting minutes where down the middle. Uh, and I think that eliminates some of this Heatle um, tension just because it really doesn't make any sense for Philip Heatle who has already had his year burnt off his contract to be getting such limited ice time. And if they
1: send him down, I riot. I just riot.
2: It just, it doesn't, it it really doesn't make any sense, but also it doesn't make any sense to be playing him next to Cody McLeod. And I, I'm, I i don't want to harp on Cody McLeod all year because it, it's going to get fucking old on this podcast. And I, I don't like doing that. At the same time, I moved on to a place in my head where I no longer think a player is getting scratched for Cody McLeod. I think players get scratched for a reason. And it doesn't matter who the guy in the press box is. They're not replacing them in the lineup. They, like when Bucnevich got scratched, it wasn't for Cody McLeod. Buchnevich got scratched because Quinn needed to see something from him. So I, I don't look at it as like he got scratched to get Cody McLeod in the lineup. Pavel Bucnevich got scratched because of something Pavel Bucnevich did. However... Cody McLeod being in the lineup is hurting Philip Hedel because Philip Hedel is in the lineup. And
1: and his line mate it, is a pile of… A pile, n- pile of used diapers. Yeah, um, kind of.
2: At, at the same time, if you're going to be critical of Philip Hedel's play, some of that, not all of it, some of it is partially because he's got a fucking anchor playing on his side. I, I, I actually like Hedel playing with Vinny Letteri, but put an actual NHLer on his other side… And then, if you only want to play that line twelve minutes a night, at least it's an NHL line at that point. with With Cody McLeod on that line, I don't care if he's exceeded his expectations this year or not. It's that's not a competitive line, and it's hurting Filipedel. So that that's where my 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 frustrations about Cody McLeod has transferred from. Why is he playing over player X? To now, it's why is my top prospect having to play with Cody
1: McLeod? To go away from this for a second, the Rangers currently stand, as we record, at a record of six, seven, and one. They're one game below 500. We are
2: uh, terrible. Well, technically, two games below 500.
1: All right, sorry. Because of the tie. You're right. Um, that's not a tie, man. That's, a, that's
2: just an it's, overtime it's, it's, loss.
1: You're right. It's an overtime loss. I, I don't know why I think of it as a tie. Yeah. That being oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, it. I'm not doing That it. being said, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. That being said, I'm not doing it. Skip. <laughs> uh, skip, skip, skip. This—if I would have told you the the Rangers are this bad at tanking at the beginning of the season, would you have believed me? Because Henry, Henrik Lundqvist yeah. is not the twenty-fifth best goalie in the league. He's <laughs> he's clearly showing he still has it. He's playing his ass off, and yeah, and I... an article came out this week saying I'm not going anywhere. Get used to not tanking, assholes, because I am this good. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I I think the way you worded it is a little incorrect. I one, I expect the Rangers to be under five hundred at this point in the season. Um, two, I would say this team has performed as I expected them to. I would say better. They've
1: been, uh, Greg. They've been uh, in every game, man.
2: Well, they've been in every game because Henrik Lundqvist has been in every That's game. That's
1: a big part of it. I mean, he's a, he's part of the team.
2: Should, should the Rangers have beaten the Buffalo Sabers last night?
1: Probably no. not.
2: No, uh, honestly. Of the games I've seen the Rangers play this year, I think, I I, I think they've de- quote unquote deserved to win. Maybe three or four of them. Well, they
1: only have two regulation wins. Let's get that out of the way. It's the Florida Panthers, I believe, and the Buffalo. And the Sabers. Sabres. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: They're they not also a let ha- up.
1: They also let up two really late goals on the West Coast trip. The latest goal possible against the Sharks with one point three seconds left. And then also with thirty seconds left against the Ducks, when they were leading in both those games, so yeah, it, I, they've been this, this, they've been
2: competitive. The team's bad. That they've been competitive because they have an otherworldly goalie in the net. It's that simple. That this I, Hey,
1: what of the goalies? The, it wasn't it wasn't Hank one night. The Ducks was Georgiev, and he played yeah, really he play, well.
2: He played well. But Georgiev's not a bad goalie, so it's not like I mean, Georgiev is more likely to put up a stinker than Henrik Lundqvist, but that doesn't make him a that doesn't make him just a a bum off the street, the the Rangers are bad. And part of the reason why the Rangers are bad is their defense, which is something. Just
1: trying to get hope here, man.
2: Hope for what? I honestly, this year is so relaxing is not the right word because there are just different things I'm concerned about every week.
1: I'm having a good time. I I have
2: not. I have not looked at the standings once and I probably won't look at, I don't care how many wins or points, the Rangers have, because it, that's not the main concern.
1: Well, hey, we're not last in the standings. sub devils.
2: Yeah. Well, and the red wings will always just be fucking terrible. Yeah. Like points. will start. I will start caring about points when we get to the 60 point mark. And I'm like, all right, well, the first pick is probably going to fall around that 65 to 70 mark. So now we need to pump the fucking brakes a little bit. I, lose every I, game. I don't care. This three game winning streak. Anyone who's excited about it. God bless you. At the same time, it couldn't mean
1: I put this less. in. I put this in the enjoy the little things category. Like, it, you know, it, it's I, nice. I don't even
2: know. Who, who cares? Enjoy it from game to game. I, I think it's always going to be fun to three. watch your
1: team win. That's it. I always think it's always fun, no matter what. You always get excited.
2: Yeah, I just, I, I really like who gives a fuck that the Rangers have won three games in a row. This team's not making the playoffs. No, they're this not. This team's not that good. Henrik Lundqvist might win the Vesna this year without getting to the 20-win mark.
1: I don't think he'll do that, but...
2: He, he, might, he might. Well, if John Gibson keeps getting 45 saves a night in fucking Anaheim, he won't have Joey's.
1: Well, John Gibson lost seven games in a row. so I'm not him, totally, but Anaheim did.
2: Yeah, well, it's because Anaheim takes 10 shots and gives up 700. Pretty I, good. I, I, there aren't a lot of... Every advanced stat doesn't like the Anaheim Ducks right now, and you don't need to be an advanced stat nerd to... Uh, Understand why love the, word the ducks nerd. are losing. Nerd it's is so such,
1: such a good word.
2: Um, and this, the the point we're going to talk with. Um, <laughs> I like Sean how Tierney. we just talked
1: about analytic nerds, and we're like, anyway. So Sean Tierney. <laughs> we we talked a
2: lot with Sean specifically about the stall pionk pairing, and we're going to let him talk about that. But I just want to make one more point before we go to that interview. And
1: and also five star question.
2: And also five star question. One of my biggest concerns with David Quinn is. He has to know that Stahl Pionk is an absolute fucking train wreck, right?
1: Oh, well he's going to be asking, let's play quiz again. He's got eyes, right? That's the thing,
2: but and we talk about this with Sean, because Neil Pionk is so frustrating. When I watch him with my eyes, I like a lot of things my eyes, he does. Like he's, he's the kind of guy, it's easy to love him because he's fast and he makes plays in the offensive zone, so you're like, whoa.
1: He looked good against that from a defenseman. He did it again against the
2: Sabres. It's like, uh, but he's not good in his defensive zone. And And he had some really
1: good shots of the West Coast trip where I was like, Ooh, Neil Pionk.
2: When you put him with Mark Stahl, he's legit. Maybe that might be the worst defensive pairing in the NHL.
1: I I want to fight you and I cannot.
2: You cannot because the numbers are as clear as day. And it, I'm not saying Neil Pionk is going to become a fucking Norris winner if you put him with someone like Brady Shea. I'm just saying that David Quinn has to be looking at the same stuff I'm looking at, if not better stuff. And I don't think there's a defensible reason to keep putting Pionk with Stall. I'm not saying you have to take Pionk out of the lineup. Clayson should come back into this lineup when he's healthy. Uh, Sean mentions Clayson coming up that you guys are going to like. Uh, he's earned it. He's arguably been the Rangers' best defenseman when healthy. Uh, the easy answer is to take Mark Stahl out of this lineup, but let's not let's live in the fantasy world where
1: that's going to happen. Let's be real. hashtag Let's be real.
2: If it's if it's not if it's not Mark Stahl, I don't know how. I I get that Neil Peonk puts up points, that doesn't make him a good defenseman. So I, if we're going based off performance, oh boy. Neil Pionk is the next worst Ranger defender.
1: Do you think Tony D'Angelo has earned his way into the starting lineup? <sighs> See, hard question. I,
2: well, no, because I, I think D'Angelo should be playing anyway. Yeah. Like, the only reason this is a hard question is because the obvious answer is not coming out of the lineup. Mark Stahl is not coming out of the Rangers lineup. It, he's He is the clear, obvious answer. That we could live in a world where D'Angelo, Pionk, and Clayson are all in the lineup together. And that's the world the Rangers should be living in. They're not going to because Mark Stahl's here, and it's a bummer that for whatever reason Mark Stahl has immunity. He he won it on the first day of Survivor, and he's going to carry it for the rest of the fucking season.
1: Oh, I do like the the Mark Stahl Survivor. If anyone wants to make that art, please do. <laughs> <I> <laughs> um, very much enjoy that.
2: Uh, yeah, it it's it's a fucking bummer. Um, but that's the world we live in, at least for another year. So if we go, if we're going based off. If we're going based off performances, I, I, I think D'Angelo has outplayed both Pionk and Brendan Smith, and I think you can make a case that D'Angelo has even looked better at times than Kevin Chattenkirk. So D'Angelo wouldn't be my guy coming out of the lineup. If it's not Stahl, in my mind, it, I would go Pionk, and then I would go Smith. Um, and I honestly think the only ranger that should be a firm in every night is Brady Shea at this point. I think everyone else is up for grabs.
1: I want to see what Clayson can do because I think he's a really big trade chip. We talked about that with Sean. All right. Yes. Uh, number 5 let let's do our five-star review, then go to Sean Tierney of Charting uh, Hockey. This question was given to us by your number two fan, number one was taken, who's given us a few five-star reviews. I'll be perfectly honest with you, person who left this review. Uh, it's a very long, and confusing question, so I'm going to try and simplify it for you. Pretty much what you asked, I'm pretty sure, is if Heedle was performing the way Howden was, how would we evaluate them going forward? Would we, we still make Howden as big a deal as we do now? I think people are overemphasizing that the Howden deal. Or actually, more of what I say is, uh, I think people are looking at Howden as thinking he was supposed to be less of a prospect, but he was actually a legit prospect the whole time. It was never like Howden was supposed to be this fourth line center. He never was. And I'm not sure where this myth came from. Is that just Lazy. online? Lazy.
2: Lazy hockey writing is where it came from. I just uh, It's
1: not, he was a good prospect. I know that Greg and I were bummed out on the trade reaction when we didn't get Sergachev. when we did it live from like a hotel room. Uh, and we were like, Brett Howden, who's that? But we had Matt Esteeves, Esteves on and he told us like, Howden's legit. He's a legit prospect. And I'm, Drew, I'm,
2: Drew's been riding uh, Howden's jock all summer too.
1: For sure. And guys, I, I don't think Howden was supposed to be a slack. And yeah, Heedle's a better, more elite prospect. But that doesn't mean that Howden can't outperform him now. I think we've evaluated them fairly and both of them. You and I, are uh, big, you and I, are, hold on. Big, you and I are big Heedle yeah. stance. So far, we've seen the way he's played on the ice. He can't finish worth a damn. Uh, obviously Quinn's seeing something in him where he wants to protect him, but I- I'm not upset with the way that, that we've, fans have valued either of them so far. But I think Heedle will end up being the higher of the two by a lot eventually.
2: Well, two things here. First, uh, the Larry Brooks article calling Brett Howden a throw in and that he was only supposed to be a fourth line center is just flat out wrong. Uh, Larry might be being honored as one of the best sports writers this year. That doesn't mean he's fucking perfect either. He is just, his evaluation of Brett Howden is both irresponsible and incorrect. And if that's how he wants to look at prospects, I would suggest Larry Brooks not looking at prospects. Um, second, your paraphrasing of the question, I think, is incorrect. Okay. if if uh, the way you read it to me earlier is say you were to have a blind test and you didn't know which player was going to have which outcome. And you told me before the season started that Rangers rookie center one would have uh, eight points and be overperforming at this point in his career, while Rangers rookie center two grades out as an effective skater, a productive skater, but seems to not be able to finish um at the end would i be very happy with that scenario regardless of which rookie is doing which uh yes the answer would have been yes i would have assumed that it was philippedal with the eight points and brett howden with the strong skating looks good but doesn't have that final piece to his game where he's burying the puck um does that, that mean i'm mad that it's flip flopped i'm not mad at all brett Howden is blowing away my expectations and again even with Brett Howden blowing away my expectations, Philip Heedle has been, as I said on this podcast, consistently one of the best ranger forwards this season. He just doesn't have the goals to show it. So I could not be happier with both of their performances. But based off the question, uh, am I disappointed that it's Howden stealing the show early on as opposed to Hedl? Not at all. I am very happy that my 20-year-old and 19-year-old center are playing very well. I just wish my head coach would give the 19-year-old more time.
1: 100%. Let's go to our – yeah, I did a bit. Do a job, bad job. That's just Ryan. You, you, yep, yep, yep. You just did the, a just, terrible just, job.
2: Just That's why two people do this podcast.
1: Just the Ryan way. Let's go to Sean Tierney at Charting Hockey. Transition. Hey, we're back with our guest of the day. We have Sean Tierney at Charting Hockey on Twitter. He does hockey charts and he's Charting Hockey. You can support him on his Patreon. He also was a writer or still is sometimes for the Athletic – Toronto and The Athletic Chicago, and remember, The Athletic sponsors this podcast now, so wink, wink, uh, we're, we got some friends. Sean, what's up, man?
3: Hey, I'm happy to be on the show. It's a busy day in Rangers land again, too, so happy to talk some of the news bits that are traveling around.
1: Yeah, we're recording this a couple of days early, uh, six days early than we usually post, So, but, but it's the perfect time to record because the Nevich news has been everywhere. Uh, as many of you have heard, uh, Pavel Buchnevich has been benched against the Sharks tonight, or it has last week. At this point in time. So we wanted to bring you on to kind of delve into the stats for Bucinevich and talk a little bit about analytics. Can we talk about uh, what Booch has shown this year so far as a hockey player stats wise?
3: Sure. So operating from a purely advanced stats point of view, the Rangers have been kind of a mixed bag this year where we're getting some fun results and some bad results. And maybe that's sort of what Rangers fans went into the season expecting. The shot rates against team-wide are high, um, and that's maybe the story of Rangers hockey for the past couple of years anyway. And then there's kind of a dividing line about halfway through the roster. Some people like the Shat Fass, Shattenkirk are um, generating enough shots that it kind of balances out even though they're giving up a ton. And then there's a group that's on the other side where they're giving up far more than they're generating, and it's just bad times. And Bichinevich falls into that group. Um, what do I have? I have five on five. He's generating about 40 uh, shots, 41 shots per 6 He's on ice for that much. And that's one of the lowest rates on the Rangers. Only Spooner is lower amongst forwards in terms of generation. Um, But he's on ice for about 60 uh, shot attempts against. And that's one of the higher rates among all the Rangers. So basically, he's bleeding shot attempts right now. And that's no way to succeed in the long run. The other stat I'd point to with Pichinevic right now is Uh, We like goals above replacement and working from the evolving wild stat, which they're updating um, the war values as we go. Vycevic has been about a break-even player. What he gives in even strength offense, he's taking away in even strength defense. He winds up being basically a replacement level player so far this year, and it's early. So you don't want to make any uh, wide-ranging judgments about what he'll be for the rest of the year. But as it stands right now, he's basically a break-even replacement player who's bleeding shots.
2: Right. And this is, I think, the important part of the discussion that it was happening on Tuesday when we were recording this, and I'm sure it's just going to be continuing for the rest of the week. It's Rangers Twitter. Things seem to live on for a very long time. We're not saying that Pavel Buchnevich is always going to be bad. We're just saying that right now, Pavel Buchnevich isn't playing well. So if if you're looking at it from that standpoint, if a player isn't playing well, regardless of who it is, if... If the guy who rated second worst on the Rangers in um, shot rate was named Cody McLeod instead of Pavel Buchnevich, I don't think we'd have a problem with the benching. It's just it's a rebuilding year. He's a young winger. We all have high expectations for him. We've spent the last two years fighting Elaine Vigneault to get this guy some ice time. And now he's been given like a clean slate, but the numbers just don't show that he's playing well.
3: Yeah, I think uh, another stat that I like to use is the playing time versus points rate. And that gives you a sense of usage and production. And then again, for Buchnevich, what we've seen is he is playing. He's got about average ice time among uh, Rangers forwards, who's getting the opportunity that maybe wasn't there under Vino in the past. And his point production rate is just league average. And so it's not bad. But it's nothing overwhelming. It's nothing to say this is a player that clearly needs to be on the ice at all times. Right now, this is a player that is immune to the healthy scratch here or there, uh, you know, when the situation calls for it. And, you know, sometimes when you get into the advanced stats thing, if you get married to a player, um, you go looking for the stats that might support that this is a player that's great. And, um, you know, in this case, this is a player that has had lots of buzz around him in the past. Right now, he's just not really converting it at a rate that makes him a must. Uh, lineup
2: mainstay at all times yeah and we, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording and um, I, I think it's an important week to have you on because it, this is obviously a safe space we all I personally love using your stats and the reason why I like bringing you on is because the way you frame them it's easy for me to understand the the four quadrants make everything real simple for me
1: yeah and I'm an idiot so it's really nice yeah. for, that you could do that I'm, for me <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm here for it. And the reason why we wanted to have you on and have this discussion is because I feel like sometimes it, it's not just advanced metrics. Any stat ever, you can find a stat that fits your narrative, but I feel like advanced stats get manipulated a little bit more than any other stat because we are quick to point out someone who's not doing well and use them as an example for like, like Ryan Spooner Ranger fans. I, some of them look for a reason to pounce on Ryan Spooner and He's been bad by shot rate measures so far this season. And they'll be like, see this? This confirms everything I've said about Ryan Spooner. There's no reason for him to be getting top nine minutes. But then if the same thing happens with Pavel Buchnevich, it, it feels quick to try and find a different stat to say, no, no, he's just not getting his share of the pie. And if you give him more opportunities, he's going to be better. And I just, I, I feel like, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is about um, the advanced metrics where it's such an immediate turnoff for people who use that as their examples to make someone look bad. But then when their player that they like looks bad by the metrics, they don't exist anymore. And I think that's a, I don't know if you feel that frustration sometimes being in um, the community and the circles that you travel around, but from where I sit, someone that tries to have an open mind about as many things as possible, because hand up, I know for a fact that there are plenty of people who know more than I do and will always know more than I do about hockey. Um, so when, when people that are smarter than me shy away from using a metric when they're talking about a player they like, I get a little annoyed. I, I do. Yeah, and I think we, we talked
3: about this a little bit before we got going, too, and you know, you get married to the idea of Buchnevich is a uh, going to be an impact forward, and then you look at the shot rates and they're ugly. And the first thing you might say is, well, what's the reasoning for that? Maybe his quality of competition has been really high. Uh, or, you know, maybe his line mates have been really subpar. Quality of teammates is low. And sometimes, you know, in advanced stats aren't, uh, aren't above this. When you really like a player, maybe you spend that extra five minutes digging through a bunch of other stats and looking for a rationale why this player is still great despite what's going on in the world. And uh, like you said when you started it, isn't necessarily different than stats uh, in any other sport or you know in any other place where stats are used and so what do we do how do we guard against that i think you have to treat things as fairly as you can you have to be prepared to say that hockey is a game that's plagued by randomness and as much as we think we know sometimes um there's a lot of luck at play and there's a lot of uncertainty things that we just don't know despite our best efforts and so Lots of the evidence suggests that Bichenevich is probably a pretty good offensive player, probably a top six offensive player when he's done developing. Um, but we don't know everything and we're not sure that that's true. And so, you know, we might find out as he plays more or as his career goes on that uh, it wasn't totally substantiated in the way that we thought, or we at least have to be open to the idea that we might be wrong. Now, I think in the long run, Bichenevich is that top six player, but I'm not going to go worming through uh, a rabbit hole here trying to find every last reason why it might be okay. I think we've got to treat him the same as we treat Spooner right now. They both don't look that great. And so, you know, treat them the same when you're offering that analysis, I think.
2: Yeah. And just to piggyback off that, almost the same thing is going on with the it, it, same, same song, different verse about Philip Hedel. He only has two assists on the season, but by all accounts, he's been one of the three best Ranger forwards this year because He's creating so many opportunities. It's just not showing up on the stat sheet. So whereas Bucchnevich in less games has more points, Keto's been a bigger impact player. And everyone loves the advanced numbers. I know your your chart has been very friendly to Keto. I think he's been firmly in the, the fun zone just about all year. Um, and I know I think he's uh, I think the most surprising number that I saw from yours so far. Is that the expected goals? Jimmy Vc is actually one of the better rangers. It blows my mind that Jimmy Vc has actually scored um, more goals than he's supposed to at this time in the season. Because I feel like every time he has the puck, he's in a high danger area and he should be scoring.
3: Right, and early season when you're comparing the expected goals to real goals, you expect to see um, maybe a wider variation early on because all it takes is. Uh, one or two goals on your opportunities and you're blowing your xg out of the water right off the bat and so for somebody like jimmy vesey i expect that to kind of settle back in but at the same time you know there's a bit of a signal flashing there that um he's getting into the right areas his xg his expected goals is relatively strong which maybe is a bit surprising and he's overperforming because he's managed to actually convert on a couple of the opportunities that he's had so far so i don't know Early in the season, especially with expected goals, we got a lot of variance going on. It only takes a couple goals to to get way out ahead of what was expected, but it's not the wrong start for Vessi, anyways. And maybe it's you know an indication that in this system he's going to take better shots from in tight more often, and you know that's really encouraging for. Uh, a player like him that maybe his offense is developing or for real going forward.
1: Is there a Ranger this year, Sean, that has been surprising analytically? Like I know that Brady Shea was doing quite well analytically for a while, or am I wrong in saying that?
3: No, you're not at all. So uh, Brady Shea is somebody that, you know, I personally have a soft spot for. I try to be unattached from any specific team at this point in my life, but uh, he's a player that I've got a soft spot for, for sure. Um, he continues to rank among the top uh, defensemen in the league uh, in terms of goals above replacement or war value. He's far and away the Rangers' best player with Pride or Fasten and Cheadle coming in in the next three slots after him. So, you know, in terms of advanced stats, it appears to be real that his impact has been really strong. Um, I'm from the Ottawa area, so I've had the uh, whatever privilege it is to see frederick clayson play as he's played uh i know he's hurt and he's not in the lineup right now but his shot metrics were always something that sort of caught the eye in his limited playing time with the senators and that's continued with the rangers too i think i've got about 50 minutes even strength time on ice for him so far and he's the lone ranger logo that's continued to plot in the good range so managing more shots than league average when he's on the ice and allowing less Um, Clayton's somebody that really struggled to find playing time with the Senators in a consistent way, which led to him just sort of walking away for a really cheap contract elsewhere. Um, When he's set, he's the kind of player that you get a lot of run out of in a rebuilding situation. Somebody who uh, outperforms their contract, somebody who outperforms without the name value that you expect. Um, So, you know, he's a guy that always catches my eye and who I have a soft spot for as well. When he's ready to go, I'd like to see him you know, get some run, maybe even some fifth defenseman, fourth defenseman minutes, because (laughs) in the past, it's looked like he's got some ability and it. That's sort of carried over in the bit of time he's played this year too.
1: Sean, I got great news. He's going to be the second defenseman on this team. Um,
2: I I think, I think he's going to be a low key, fun trade deadline piece too. I, I think he might be a guy that gets traded for more than I think we assume he should be traded for.
3: Right. And I think, uh, the Rangers are going to be in a funny spot. I'm not sure how much Clayson is valued league-wide, just sort of thinking about the contract that he was able to secure. Um, and so, like you said, is he good enough to be this team's maybe even second defenseman? It, it's, almost a, it's kind of a scary thought in a way, maybe. But there's potential there. He might be the kind of player that you just say, you know, he's cheap and we need to have six defensemen dressed every game. And so, like, why trade this guy away for the fourth-round pick? He might bring you back at the deadline when – You know, he's somebody who can eat some minutes on a team that is going to need live bodies to kind of hold spots down as they turn over parts of the roster. Um, They might flip him. And, you know, any pick is a good pick, I guess, at the trade deadline. But he's somebody I'd be thinking, this guy's a cheap player who's got good advanced numbers. Uh, Maybe we keep him around because he's, you know, he's not hurting us. In fact, he's helping us on a bargain deal.
2: While we're on the topic of defensemen, Sean, once upon a time, the reason why we wanted to bring you on this podcast is. The narrative surrounding Neil Pionk, because he's the I I haven't seen a player in recent memory who pops off the ice when you do the eye test. He just he looks like he's doing things you enjoy when you're watching a hockey game. Every time he takes the ice, I'm like Neil Pionk is going to do something fun here. But every metric, not just yours, everyone that I've seen has graded Neil Pionk out as not just below average but easily the rangers worst defenseman and the rangers have not put out a pair worse than neil pionk and mark Stahl. and i i think your chart actually had them as one of the three worst pairings in the entire nhl what what's up with neil pionk what are, what are we missing because we got to be missing something i'm not sure that we are uh,
3: so this is a, a great um place to evaluate the eye test versus the numbers, the numbers, as you said, they're all bad. I've got nothing to count to you. there. bleed shots when he's on the ice playing with Mark Stahl can do that to you also, but beyond, you know, he's culpable in this situation too. He's far and away the worst on the team in terms of his war value. Shattenkirk Stahl are the next two up from him, but he's in a league all his own. Um, You know, analytically, from the stats point alone, there's nothing there going on right now. Again, I'm always cautious. We like to get to something like a 20-game sample, even 25 games at a team level, before we say things have really stabilized and are predictive going forward. We're not there yet. We're part of the way there. So maybe something really shifts um, as we move forward. But we also have the potential for Pyong to really deepen into this sinkhole even further when I look at this player from a stats with my eyes closed uh, you know, anything you would say about Mark Stahl, you're going to have to say about this player too. And so
1: I don't like that. I mean, what
3: do you do as a fan? What do you do as an analyst? When you're comparing him to Mark Stahl? maybe you enjoy the way he moves up the ice a little more. Like how could you not? But understanding that this player is costing the team, a lot of shots going the other way when he's on the ice, he's a negative impact player. And so, um, It's not working the way that it is right now. How can his minutes be changed? How can he be used differently to see if you get a different result as we build up a bigger sample to evaluate him with?
1: Speaking of not being able to play defense, uh, how does Tony D'Angelo rank out in the two games he's played? Three at this point. Or maybe six, now that you're listening.
3: (laughs) So D'Angelo winds up being um, cut off by my very modest time on ice filters. Um, it was bad news when he was around, sort of in the spooner Pionk, uh universe. But uh, players like him, you know, was so noisy with uh, such limited sample that he'd toss it away. Um, that's about where he rated last year, though. And, you know, at this stage in his career, at his age, I'd say it's a fairly safe projection going forward that we're probably looking at a player like that who's going to um, either rate in the bad quad for allowing too much and generating too little, or maybe in his final form, generating lots, going the other way, but still bleeding tons of shots and just being a super risky
1: defenseman to have on the ice. I love the idea of Tony D'Angelo's final form. <laughs> like, being pretty shitty. <laughs> like, not, not, not really going anywhere. I, I, it's really frustrating for me watching Tony D'Angelo, because I want him to be more, and he's just not. And I don't think his trade value is going to be end up being too high in the first place, and he's going to end up being a throw into some package that we have that happens at the deadline. Very frustrating. Well, and
3: it, it's hard to accept sometimes too, but all the good research we've done on uh, player peaks and age curves in the past few years, all the stuff that's out there says forwards peak around that 23 to 24-year-old age, and then defenseman is about 24 years old. And that's when they you know, hit their peak phase. And so for D'Angelo, we're looking at it. Then you get that plateau from about 24 to maybe 28, where that peak phase, they can hold it right at that level until about then. So with D'Angelo, we're looking at a 23-year-old going to turn – is he turning 24 or just turn 23? I, I think he just turned 22. I'll double-check for I'm you guys. Just, yeah, I'm double-checking as we go here, too. I think I've got him as 23, I think, in what I have here. One way or the other, we're talking about a player who's basically reaching that final form – um, and it's not great. So, you know, I wouldn't project a whole lot of development
1: for him going forward. Yeah, he just turned 23, uh, October 24th. Happy birthday, Perfect. Tony. Uh, it, it's so weird <laughs> to think about that your final form is your 24-year-old self. Let me tell you, as a 29-year-old, <laughs> my, if my prime was five years ago, we're in trouble because we're not doing well now. Things are not good. And to, to, I, mean, I watched Mark Stahl in his prime from 24 to 28. And as soon as 28 was over, I mean, it was over. So I just don't think that Tony's going to end up turning the corner here. And I hope he does. I really, I have no, I have nothing left for him. It's very frustrating.
3: Yeah. And I think the thing that can change
1: sometimes is um, for elite
3: players, they, it seems that they learn how to compensate your physical skills are going to peak at 24. And I think all of us probably felt their best when we were 24
1: yep. physically, your
3: mental uh, capacity might not peak at that age. Um, and so when you get to that 28 year old self and you start to drop off physically, you have the ideas of anticipation of understanding of team strategy. You can compensate and hang on. And that's how a player like a Joe Thornton can continue to thrive well past his physical prime because he thinks the game so well and has maintained some of the skills that can last. But, you know, with D'Angelo, we're not looking at a high level thinker or a high level elite player. We're looking at somebody who's kind of just hacked along at the bottom of the depth chart. So, you know, uh, we're looking at maybe final form and it, like you said, maybe it's scary that that's what you hit at 24, but it is it's terrifying. Reason. This is probably
2: it. Yeah. It's
1: yeah. terrifying.
2: Uh, Sean, since the Rangers are living in a rebuild world, kind of, kind of along the lines we were talking about with Clayson, where low cost guy, well, not even cost, but just a guy that's kind of surprising and standing out. Is there a guy you've seen just based on the team rates who you'd say, huh, that guy could be a very interesting trade trip. And, Feel free to say an obvious name, but I'm just, I'm just curious if, obviously the Rangers are shopping just about anybody. So who has, who has jumped off the charts for you as a, this guy can get back a good package. In terms of a good package, I'm
0: the Rangers
3: roster is kind of a funny one. Like it's really into the rebuild in in some ways and that there's not a whole lot of extra pieces somehow hanging around the roster. Um, I think like, you know, you're not talking about trading as a Binajad type, um, somebody who might bring in a legitimate return if you were really trying to shop them around. Maybe Nemestikov might be somebody that, you know, he was able to be moved at a deadline before. Maybe he would move again. His advanced numbers are kind of just break even right now, but there might be more there. I know there's lots of buzz around Kevin Hayes that maybe he's the next chip to drop. I've got him as a equal in impact to Zuccarello right now. Um, and so, you know, Kevin Hayes at his salary, if he's somebody that a team might take a flyer on down the middle as he head to the trade deadline, those are maybe the big names that you'd be looking at is maybe a, a Hayes or a Nemesikos. After that, I, this is a team that's kind of churning its roster pretty hard already. It's time to sort of let the young guys come up and play as much as possible. There's not a whole lot of major dead weight ahead of them at this point so maybe those two Nemestikovs, and then i know there's buzz around hayes too and maybe he'll bring
2: something back at the deadline that's handy as well are you at all surprised that there seems to be no buzz around zuccarello have the rangers just said they're not trading him that to me going into the season he always felt like the most obvious candidate yeah he did right and i mean zuccarello's got a, a history of being a Uh, Clearly above
3: average scorer, at least uh, a bottom rung top line forward. So far this year's goal above replacement numbers are uh, good, they're productive. He's got some power play contribution that looks pretty strong, too. He rates among the top uh, couple of New York Ranger forwards. I am a little surprised that um, it's not a name that we've seen floated more. And maybe this is the kind of thing that, as we get into the dog days of December and January, once everything kind of locks in a little bit firmer, people will realize this is a player that should be plucked from the roster uh, to help in a, you know, that kind of a playoff run situation. He's somebody from a rival GM's point of view I would be interested in. He's got a, a strong past, and you know the numbers so far, at least, are definitely notable and productive. So I, I agree. I think he's a name that is surprising. He hasn't been floated out there more often so far.
1: I think we're at a point now with the Rangers that... I mean, you mentioned a bunch of names uh, before for trading. the Mestikov, Zuccarello. What are your thoughts about Chris Kreider this season uh, and how he's played, and, and could he be a trade trip? Sure,
3: and I mean, anytime you get into a rebuild, thinking sort of um, I had close seats to the Toronto rebuild, it's really difficult to blow out everyone in a world where you need to ice a roster every night with some insulation for the young players that you bring in, with somebody who can score for the passers that you bring up, and that thing. So Chris Kreider is Chris Kreider, again. He's the second-best player probably on the team, maybe the best player on the team. He kind of contributes in all facets of the game, again. Um, he's one of the legitimate play drivers left on this team. He's not the first person I'd be looking, um, you know, to chase out, even if the return seemed like it was – moderately interesting because you need somebody who can play on the lines with the guys that you're promoting and hoping they develop into something so you know for me if I'm sitting in in the GM chair I'm not really entertaining too many offers for a Crider because you need to have some capable bodies to insulate your roster as you go through I'm sort of thinking of how uh, Bozak and Caudry and Van Riemsdyk hung on in Toronto even through the lean years and that made sense because you needed to have some players on the roster who could make sure that things were kind of moving in the right direction, maybe not Bozak, but JVR and Kadri for sure. So maybe Kreider fits that kind of mold in this rebuild going forward as a reliable scoring presence that you stick young players with as they're developing. You know, you don't blow everybody out of the, the lineup as you're going.
1: Greg, I think yeah, we've covered I, everything at this point. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I'm just wondering, Sean. My last question for you, and this doesn't have to be um, Ranger centric. Is is there a player or a pairing or a line on either end of your spectrum that you just sit back and say, "I have no idea how that's happening"? Like it could be a good, it could be a good thing or a bad thing.
0: Uh, okay. Well, the the first,
2: I'll say two.
3: The first is we've known that Carolina is a legit shot driving team for a long time. And that's just been a style of play that's been embraced out there for several years. And, you know, there's the Corsi cup champions and that's continued this year, but I've been really surprised that a uh, 400 year old Justin Williams is basically the league leader in shot share so far. He's always been kind of a Coursey God. He's always had that kind of reputation, but at his age to continue driving play like he has, it just kind of boggles my mind. It, it's, uh, it's amazing that he's managed to compensate for those, you know, declining physical skills with, you know, just an advanced understanding of the game and he's fit into their system. Well, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I'm not surprised at what Leo Komarov has done with the Islanders this year because <laughs> the cliff uh, dive happened last year for him. But I'm very surprised that an NHL general manager decided to give this uh, hockey player a four year commitment Komarov might be the worst regular playing hockey player in the NHL this season his contribution is just unbelievably negative he bleeds shots and generates absolutely nothing for and the Rangers still have 3.75 seasons to suffer through uh, watching this player get consistent time on ice so uh, those would be kind of the wait, wait, hold on. The opposite yeah, end
2: of the yeah. spectrum. Uh, hold on, you, you had a slip. Of, you had a slip of tongue. He's an Islander. He's definitely we, we're an Islander. not. going to claim Oh, him. I'm sorry. Did you say Rangers. <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: that's a guy Let's we
2: never wished upon you.
1: <laughs> we we love watching him play. In case you were wondering, uh,
2: yeah. Just Justin Bourne had a take earlier this year that said, like, at least Islander fans can finally take solace in the fact that the Rangers are bad too. And every every time you put out a new chart and the Islanders move. More and more firmly into the bad. I just retweeted and say something along the lines of, at least the Islander fans think the Rangers are also bad.
0: Yeah. We're,
3: uh... <laughs> well, it's, and I mean, if, if I can sort of pitch one final thought, it's funny because uh, the Rangers just haven't been that bad. They've kind of hung around break even in a lot of the advanced ad stuff as a team. And part of that is Lunkfist kind of playing out of his mind. And part of it is there's you know, some decent contributions from parts of the roster. But, you know, the Islanders are a team clearly moving in a discombobulated backwards direction and the rangers aren't really doing that they've embraced the rebuild and the team's not playing that badly as they're going through it so you know if i'm picking a team to watch or to enjoy from afar it's definitely going to be the rangers over the islanders at this point they're teams in completely different
1: stratospheres i just want the rangers to be fun and that's what they've done that's all i can (laughs) ask for sean I got a long rebuild ahead of me. You've been through it in Toronto. I mean, it'll hopefully it'll pay off for you now. Uh, good luck with Severus up in, uh, you know, covering the Leafs and all that. If you
3: still are. Yeah, we just need Matthews to get back from his injury and we'll be fine up here. A
1: couple more weeks, you'll be all right. I mean, you know, playoffs aren't until yeah. uh, a long time from now and you'll be at full strength by that time. Sean, thank you so much for coming on. This was an awesome interview. Could you go ahead and plug everything you do with your life?
3: sure well I mean uh, like you said you can find me at charting hockey and I'll flood your timelines every morning with some team charts and player charts to help you win battles on twitter.com as you mentioned I I did open a patreon account at the beginning of October and you know it's kind of just a cyber tip jar so if you're somebody that's out there and you make use of the charts and you want to chip two bucks my way uh, you know I really appreciate I've had some nice response there so uh, it's a way that you can I just say thanks for the charts, but you know, one way or the other, follow me at charting hockey. And uh, I promise to flood your timelines daily with some hockey
2: stuff.
1: Awesome. Sean, thanks so much.
2: You make, you make me sound smarter every day. And let me tell you how hard that is. It's really tough. So I appreciate (laughs) you.
1: All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Be good. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. He's out. Hey, we're back. Sean Tierney. What a guy. So So much smarter than us.
2: I, you know what? I get annoyed that we bring people on from the Athletic who are based out of Canada and just so fucking nice to us. I hate that. Like, Sean's apologetic that he was unable to do the podcast with us last Monday. He's like, "Ah, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to inconvenience you." Yeah, two assholes then,
1: from New York, sure.
2: And he's also apologizing for us that he read a bedtime story to his kids before coming on the podcast. So he's yeah, like, "Donate
1: salary to charity." So- <laughs> Like, took, oh.
2: took a little longer for me to call in because my kids were a little fussy. I'm really, really sorry, guys. He's such
1: like, a great dad. And he rubs it. He texted me the... that. It's so weird. Sean texts me that every day. He goes, I'm such a great dad. I'm like, wow, Sean.
2: <laughs> Sean, why are you even talking to us, man? You have so many better things going on in your just life. Just you just don't to about
1: talk it. to us at all. Okay. Well, uh, and by the way, if you go to theathletic.com, you can sign up for The Athletic today for 2 Alright, that's enough for that. 40, get forty percent off. Show right. us a
2: proof of purchase if you're it's one of the first five people, five people. I got, got a, a t shirt.
1: Oh my god.
2: One, two, three, four, five. Four. Five people to show us a proof of purchase. I will warn you. Wow,
1: the Booker T reference. Uh,
2: I will warn you for Brian's sake, US only. Yeah. Because US only. that man will go nuts if he has to mail another shirt to so, Australia.
1: So anyway, all right. So let's wrap up this podcast, I guess, with some let's do it. uh Listen, it's an important time of year, for the if you're American.
2: Yep, sure is.
1: Today is a day we're stick to sports. We're gonna do that mostly for the most part. This is a really ranger heavy podcast for us. I feel like, but I don't. I don't care who you vote for. Just please go out and vote.
2: Yeah, obviously, uh, I personally think there are more qualified candidates than other for you to vote for.
1: Agree with Greg, but that's what everyone thinks.
2: But I. I will stand here and tell you, hand to God, I am a registered independent. Uh, Hand to God, there are plenty of instances where I have voted for both parties. I 100% believe you shouldn't be voting along party lines. You should get to know your candidates, research your candidates, understand their priorities, and then cast your vote with as much knowledge as you could possibly have. Um, At the same time, we live in this great, this country is pretty okay at some times. Yep. Uh, One of the rights you get is the ability to vote once you turn 18. You absolutely should be using that right. I am still a registered voter in the great state of Georgia. I voted early on Friday because I was down there for a wedding this year. So if I can place my vote in Georgia, there's no reason why you can't go to your polling place and do the same.
1: Just vote. I'm just asking you very nicely, and I appreciate that. And also, if you're in the New York City area on January 12th in the afternoon, you should come drink with us at the Offside
2: Offside Tavern. Tavern.
1: Yeah, nice. Nailed it. Offside Tavern will be us and another IELTS podcast from Gotham Sports Work. We're hosting a drink up for Rangers. Islanders, come chill. And if you can't make come it. Come chill, come I'm hang. I'm so sorry. We'll have,
2: we'll have a good time. Uh, Rangers probably won't win, but who gives a fuck?
1: Yeah, I mean, I want that first pick.
2: And it's a day game that day too, so. I
1: kind of love day drinking.
2: Yeah, day drinking is low-key maybe my favorite thing in the
1: it's world. It's just I'm home by 9, and I'm asleep? Wow, that's yep. amazing. Yeah, um, no, it
2: it's going to be a good time. Uh, it'll be an open bar. We'll have information about how you can get your ticket early for the open bar. Uh, it's not that big of a spot, so you're going to want to get in there early true. and come hang with us and come watch
1: them. All. True, true, true. And uh, we'll be going to our first-ever Riveters game. Sure are. November 18th
2: hey sunday, sunday 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 another day you can get day drunk
1: yeah if you'd like uh we'll be going to the rivers game it'll be at 2 p.m come hang out with us and we'll get you some more details come that, coming next week i usually yeah. would have a lot of more nonsense to talk about here but i feel like we talk so much rangers i'm just like whew, i'm out of it
2: we're gonna save our we're gonna save our nonsense for the patreon, the patreon 10 minute bonus next. called the overtime breakaway Ooh. and if you want that you can become uh, a subscriber Patreon. of ours on Patreon. Uh,
1: if I'm a listener of this podcast, I'll be for a quick break. I guess this is a good time to talk about this. Like, these guys did this podcast for three years and never read an ad. And then today, they've plugged, like, 11 things in my face. I hate these guys now. And I totally uh, I totally understand.
2: You know what I have to say about that? Yeah. No, you guys are pretty chill. Yeah, you we're,
1: good. we're good. Don't do that. alright we'll see you guys next week Uh, send as always send 5 star questions reviews to iTunes or hit us up on Twitter uh, message us on Patreon or wherever else you can find us Instagram at Butcher's Break I'm Orion Mead at Instagram and uh message us we'll answer your shit love you guys bye
0: (laughs)